I'm going to have you remain standing for the scripture passage this morning. We're in Luke's gospel for Palm Sunday. All four of the gospels tell of Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, but this is Luke's account. So this is Luke chapter 19. I think I'm beginning with verse 28. After he had said this, that's Jesus, Jesus went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will, be t- you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it, as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is a story of God for the very people of God. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. I have to admit, the liturgical calendar and the city of San Antonio calendar lined up really nicely for Palm Sunday this year. In San Antonio, it's a good Sunday to talk about a parade, right? We've had a week of parades. There was the Fiesta Flambeau Parade and the Pooch Parade, the King William Parade, the Battle of Flowers Parade. If you have missed a crowd of people, this was a good, a good week to be a San Antonian. I think the people of Jerusalem may have had a similar sentiment as Jesus entered the city. If they were looking for a crowd, they wouldn't have to look very far. Jesus enters Jerusalem at a time of celebration. The Feast of Freedom is on. This is the Passover festival that's being celebrated. And many, many pilgrims are on the road to Jerusalem. It was a time for processions. And some speculate that Pilate, the Roman governor, would have been processing into Jerusalem about the same time as Jesus and his disciples. Pilate would have come at the city from a completely different angle, a different entrance. He would enter Jerusalem on the side of Herod's palace, and his entourage would be quite the spectacle. There would be a legion of war horses and Roman soldiers and chariots, and Pilate would be riding a well-trained war horse, And if you were there, you might hear from a fellow onlooker a shout of, Hosanna, Pilate, save us. In the other Gospels, we do hear a shout of Hosanna toward Jesus, but we don't hear that in Luke's Gospel. In Luke's Gospel, there are no Hosannas sung 
We don't even see a palm branch in Luke's gospel. It's a rather earthy scene, and I like it this way. Luke's gospel may just be my favorite of the four accounts. Luke is very careful to make the point that Jesus is a very different kind of king. He does call Jesus king. This royal title slips out of the mouths of the disciples who sing Psalm 118 as they travel on the road. Psalm 118 is a song of praise that begins and ends with the words, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And then several times, Psalm 118 repeats the phrase, Your steadfast love endures forever. Or as the poet Norman Fisher translated, Your kindness, Lord, it pierces time through. Your kindness pierces time through. Verse 26 of Psalm 118 says this, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's the line. This is the line of Psalm 118 that Luke recounts, but he makes a slight change. Just one word altered. You may have heard me read it a few minutes ago. Blessings on the king. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Take note, readers of Luke's good news. This is, in fact, a royal procession. This is a king, but this is a king of a different sort. One whose kindness pierces through time. This is the king, but you're probably going to have to take a second look. Or you just might miss this king, because this king and this king's procession just might look like a dusty, disheveled, singing crowd. <laughs> There's no pomp or circumstance here. You see, Jesus rides not on a well-trained war horse, but on a colt. He rides on a donkey's colt. Now, the prophet Zechariah wrote about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Israel's king. Shout, daughters of Jerusalem, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Two disciples are sent to retrieve this colt, which seems fitting you see, in Luke's gospel, they started their journey on the road to Jerusalem about 10 chapters ago. And at that time, Jesus sent them out, sent the disciples out in pairs. And here at the end of the journey, as they approach Jerusalem, they are still being sent out, two of them together, to get the humble transport. They're not quite to Jerusalem, but they're near Bethany, and Jewish scholar Amy Levine imagines that it's Bethany locals, Jesus' good friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who own this cult. It makes sense to me. It makes sense to me because this scene in Luke's gospel is completely comprised of disciples. Throughout this scene, we hear the word, we see the word, Disciples. 
This is not a picture of a crowd. There are not onlookers here or gawkers. There's not even opposition. Now, maybe you spotted towards the end of this passage that there are some Pharisees. There are a few Pharisees. Teacher, order your disciples to stop, they say to Jesus. But I'd like to think that these are the curious and well-intentioned type of Pharisees concerned about the well-being of the Jesus movement. You see, in Luke's gospel, they previously warned Jesus of the threat of Herod. In Luke's gospel, in this scene, Jesus is completely surrounded here by disciples And the word that gets used to describe the group of disciples is a term that means a large group. It's a term uh, that gets translated multitude. The whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice. The whole multitude of disciples begins to praise God. Now, does this remind you of anything, any scene from earlier, very early on in Luke's gospel? There were shepherds. There were some shepherds in the region of Bethlehem when Jesus was born. And an angel of the Lord stands before them and says, I'm bringing you good news of great joy, a Savior, a Messiah, the Lord. And suddenly... Suddenly there is a multitude, a multitude of heavenly host. This multitude of heavenly host is praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace. The kingdom of heaven in Luke chapter 19 is in view. It is in view right there, the highest heaven on a very dusty trail that leads to the city that was meant to stand for peace, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. These holy messengers, this multitude of disciples are characterized by their joyful song. They sing glory to God in the highest heaven. And then they're characterized by one other thing. They're characterized by an action. What they do is they toss their coats. They toss their cloaks on the road and on the colt of the donkey. Now, I know what it is to clean up after a coat toss. (laughs) At my house, I'm the one that puts coats back in closets. We had some weird weather at our house this week. Some days it was blistering hot, but other mornings there was a really cool wind. And I noticed this week that there was some confusion about what attire to wear. I walked through my back door one afternoon and balled up on the kitchen island was a favorite sweatshirt of favorite sun. Thrown up there with a never mind, I don't need this attitude as he ran out the door. You know what I did this week? I just left it there. 
I left it there on the kitchen island. It was hard for me, but I did it. I left it there like an altar cloth for Palm Sunday right there on my kitchen island. Don't let it be said that I don't decorate for the holidays. I do. Every time that I walked through this mess of sweatshirt on my kitchen island, it made me wonder. It made me wonder about the coats and the cloaks that were thrown on the Jerusalem road and on the colt that Jesus rode. What was the attitude behind that toss? You know, I don't think it was much like the indifferent cast-off that happens at my house. Instead, throwing your coat, throwing your cloak on the road, signaled the honor and authority of Jesus the King. It was rolling out the red carpet, so to speak. But it also signaled something about the disciples. It also signaled their vulnerability. For that is a part of being a disciple. The sacrifice of vulnerability. You know, these are not wealthy people with expensive garments who follow Jesus into Jerusalem. New Testament scholar Alan Culpepper Culpepper says, tattered shawls and dusty, sweat-stained rags are what we would probably find on the road to Jerusalem. Jesus is the king of the oppressed and the suffering, accepting them when others deem them unacceptable. This is the group that follows Jesus the king, setting down their only covering setting down their last cloak. It's impressive and inspiring to me, and I wonder, am I willing to be this vulnerable? Alexander John Shia wrote, I do not exaggerate when I talk of the practical guide to mature spiritual practices that is held within the Gospel of Luke. We are laying down our covering cloaks. And we want to shout for joy. We can only feel compassion for those who still clutch their cloaks. Can I lay down the things that protect me? Can I lay down the things that cover? Taking a lesson from Roshi Joan Halifax, Brene Brown teaches that true belonging happens when we risk vulnerability, when we can configure within ourselves what she calls a strong back, a soft front, and a wild heart. Halifax says that too many of us walk around with a defended front and a weak spine, and then we're brittle and we're defensive and we try to conceal our lack of confidence. But with a strong, sturdy, flexible spine, we can risk a soft, compassionate front. And we see the world clearly, and we let the world clearly see us. Poet Malcolm Geit says that the thing that he finds most compelling about Jesus is that Jesus gave up complete and perfect reunion, complete 
and perfect relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit to descend, to come to our world and become completely vulnerable. Geit says, I see Jesus do this. Make this descent in the Gospels. And I hear him teach, say things like, blessed are those who mourn. I absolutely know that the path of descent is true, and I almost never act on it. This week, this week a friend sent me a recording of an old Fred Craddock Easter sermon And as only Craddock can do, could do, he told the story of buying Easter lilies at a church to decorate the altar. We do that here at this church. The church that Craddock talked about loved the Easter lilies to decorate on Easter morning. And many, many people in the congregation purchased a flower in honor of or in memory of their loved ones. 500 lilies were purchased every year for $5 a piece. That was 1984. The price has gone up. (laughs) I noticed on our envelopes, there is no suggested price. You can give whatever you want for an Easter lily. Craddock says that one year, a very good soul in the congregation decided to take some of those lilies to the hospital on Sunday afternoon after services. So when the service was over and people cleared out, this good soul went to pick up the flowers and load them into the back of his car. What he discovered when he picked up the flowers was that there was no dirt, no dropped leaves, no wilted flowers, because all of the lilies were plastic. They were plastic. Plastic flowers, and upon further investigation, it was discovered that the lilies were hidden in the back of a church closet each year and taken out every holy week for 15 years. It was an Easter lily scam. The church made $37,500 selling the same plastic flowers every year. (laughs) Hard to believe. You know, I don't want to be a plastic disciple. I sure do not. I want to be dusty. I want to be in need. And I want to be full of joy. I want to be bound together with a multitude of other dusty, heavenly messengers who cry out, Blessed is the one true King. And follow his ways to peace.